Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm going to start this episode a little differently by reading a couple paragraphs from a book my guest recommended to me. The book is called The Smell of Rain on Dust, Grief and Praise. The introduction is called A Little Extra Light for the Bottom of the River. Like smooth water-polished pebbles set like jewels in a bracelet at the bottom of the river of the collective human soul. There are noble and profound human beings whose radiance and value are unknown even to their closest neighbors. People whose depth and nobility of soul live unexpressed inside situations that are for them so unnatural, oppressive, and beyond their control. That as individuals, they intentionally obscure their own spiritual majesty with a theatrical veneer of the same banal drivel that surrounds them every day to avoid the pain of being mocked or trivialized if discovered by the heartless and uncomprehending. By doing this, they inadvertently subsidize the mentality that oppresses them, adding further still to their own false belief that they are alone and that there are no others like them. It takes courage to be what the world needs, but the world never seems to change when you are alone. I want to thank my guest today, Stephen Fielding, for making me and many others feel less alone in the world. The universe sometimes shines light to the bottom of the river and illuminates those smooth water polished pebbles like jewels in a bracelet. I like to call Stephen a talisman for change. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. It was the first interview I've had in almost two years in person, and I can't think of a better guest to have met in person in a space that he has curated and created. For many reasons, it felt right to start at the threshold. So... I reread that. Yeah. And it's interesting because there was a lot that kind of jumped out to me and I thought to myself, well, do we do we start here? <laughs> do we start at your start? Yeah. Do we start at your beginning? Or do we start at the the threshold of what was September 15th, is that right? 2021, was that right? 
when 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 she, when she passed. passed. Yeah. 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 Essentially, like May fifteenth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess it just felt right to me to sort of start in mother energy okay. <laughs> a little bit, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I thought that one of the things I wanted to sort of read from what you posted on that day was the part about drawing on the king ar archetype. So if it's okay, I'll read, yeah, I'll read what, you, what you wrote a little bit here. For sure. Um, in this post, which you wrote on the day that your mom passed, mm -hmm. passed over, you wrote, over the past couple of years of healing, all the work, the work in quotes, all the ceremony, all the ritual, all the rites of passage, all the sitting with it, the felt sense of community, and you tagged uh, fits, Fit for Service, yep. which we'll talk a little bit about today. Yep. It's all present to me, and I'm in service supporting my father, siblings, myself through this ceremony. Drawing on my king archetype, I paid particular attention to being present, not turning away. I looked death in the face and understood the hard thing to feel and do is the right thing. So I thought, given the gravity of that, we could start there. Because when I was rereading it this morning, and I think about how I even stumbled upon your universe, mm -hmm. and not long after that, I realized that we both shared this passing of an incredible person in our life, mm -hmm. the, the matriarch. Um, and I shared comments with you that day, which uh, again, flowed through me in an interesting way. Yep. So I would just love to maybe start off by, by asking a, a little bit about the work, right? We put, we put a quotes of the work. Um, we're gonna talk about the work you do. Sometimes it's, it's coined or tagged as men's work. Uh -huh. But would love to just start there and maybe the journey will go backwards and forwards and in between. So yeah, I mean, the reference to the king is one of four core archetypes that the male psyche has, right? So, and then if you look at <clears throat> a split of that, there's the light expression of that, and then there's a dark, the shadow expression of that, and then there's the immature expression of that, and the mature expression of that. So, I don't know, you do the multiplication. It's, uh, we have quite a lot of going on in our minds, right. in our hearts. So, putting those pieces of the puzzle together in terms of what was required of me at the time um, was to hold the container, hold it together, you know, not avoid the emotions that um, are very present when one of your parents, especially your mom is passing. I mean, I'm sure similar or same emotions are going to come up when my dad um, crosses over. Um, and it's a an intention to you know, sit upright, to hold structure, to be leaned on, to be reliable in that moment, to have, um, to, to hold it together for other people in the family, right? So I needed to give, so it's when a son, you know, evolves their capacity to um, be a mature embodiment of the male figure you're not the son anymore you know you're a peer to your father in some in some regards and he has done so much for us over the years and decades that <clears throat> the least i could do would be to keep my shit together to give him the space to feel what he needs to feel 
And that doesn't mean that I bypass what I'm feeling, but it's a gift that you have the opportunity to give um, one or both of your parents um, during the course of that, that ceremony. So that was the sort of the background upon which, you know, my intention of how did I need to show up in that moment for my dad and my sisters and um, you know to to not look away you look at the hard problems in <coughs> in one's kingdom you know and you put things right that need to be righted and you keep things in order and you keep things moving forward and um, that was that was my intention was you know completely lift the burden of him in terms of the intricacies of the day, you know, just allow him to be with his with his wife for fifty four years to um, express what he needed to express, uh, and he was, you know, he was very quiet. He's a very internal person. So, um, but we don't have to say very much, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The the piece that sort of sits with me as you describe it, and it's very similar for me in the sense, oldest son. My parents also had fifty four years together. I remember that day she passed like it was yesterday. I'm mm-hmm. sure you do as well. And I, and I think I hadn't really thought about that aspect of the archetype of stepping into that king archetype because we hold the container, we hold the kingdom. And I'm curious at the same time, does that also cut us off from accessing a little bit of our own grief in that moment? Um, maybe it's not so binary, but I remember the sensation for me a little bit was to hold the container to make sure that others are upright and sort of hold the walls. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's the balance of both, right? It's the capacity to do that as well as not um, become so disassociated with the experience that's going on in the moment. Um, and, you know, recollecting the, the happenings of that 24 hours, 36 hours that we were with her in the last day and a half of her life. Um, it was ebb and flow. I mean, sometimes everything would be smooth, and sometimes things would be very, you know, very emotional. Um, and it's having the awareness, really, like, okay, give yourself permission to feel it for a minute, and then, but then, don't be so consumed in your own process that you um, aren't there for the rest of the family as well. Right. So it was a seesaw. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, experience in terms of that, um, how I show, showed up in that moment. Yeah. Um, I'm curious from the standpoint, you also mentioned a lot of the, the work that you've done. So, you know, just as a bit of background in terms of how I even stumbled upon you mm-hmm. in, this, in this big, big universe, there was a gentleman that I knew from uh, his college days, Sky King. Sky King became a friend got to know him, he got into podcasting, I got into podcasting. He ended up working for Aubrey Marcus. Mm-hmm. He told me about Aubrey Marcus. I started following Aubrey's you know, podcast. I think that's how I learned about Kyle Kingsbury, then I learned about Eric Godsey, and that's how I came across the, uh, the myths that make us in the episode that you were on. Yep. And here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the path that got you to folks like Aubrey Eric, Kyle, in that ecosystem. If you could talk a little bit about that and, and sort of the winding journey from 
who you are in, in, in life to the work that you do to, to frankly where we're sitting today and the, the work that you will continue to do. Uh-huh. Well, that, you know, the journey to Fit for Service um, started back in 2001, you know, unbeknownst that I'd land up at Fit for Service, but um, the, the conclusion of my first marriage, um, I was living in San Francisco and one of my good friends um, at the time, Kurt, uh, he could see I was in a lot of distress. And he said, come to this transformational weekend and you have to do it or else we can't be friends anymore. Really? Because he had just gone through um, this in weekend intensive retreat. And, you know, it's early days of putting together modalities around... Um, you know, holotropic breath work, uh, really close inspection of how one shows up in the moment, sort of unpacking what's happening in dialogue between people, mm-hmm. um, an embracing of radical truth and radical expression of what is being felt in the moment by your community of, of fellow participants. And you basically step into a process that's called circling um, Guy Sangstock and um, Jerry Candelaria and Irwan Devon were the the linchpins in creating that experience for folks to go through. Um, and you know, from that, I got a lot. I had never been, um, I had never experienced that level of authenticity in community and connection because we go through life feeling pretty individualistic in terms of we're set up as a a single unit, being educated, you know, being filled with facts, regurgitate the facts in the test as a solo unit, then you go to college as a solo unit, then you go into the corporate world or whatever job, then then at that point you're thrown into, unless you played sports throughout, you know, elementary and prep school and high school, that's the first professional team experience and so how do you show up in community how do you show up in that multiverse how do you communicate with people how do you honor yourself in terms of what you're um feeling in the moment and express that in an authentic way in a loving way um so i'd never experienced what that really looked like i'd never even heard of holotropic breath work which is well known uh, from the work that stanislav Grof has done um it's uh, it's a portal into altered state of, of mind, and lots of in- interesting things get you know bubbled up to the surface. So if you're into Jungian psychology and interpretation of dreams and all those neat things about what make us us, um, being able to do that <coughs> in a conscious way um, through those modalities, it again was a, a novel experience and something that. You know, I, I dive into from time to time uh, now. So that experience helped me sort of shape my next 20 years. Um, was in a relationship and decided to go the family and corporate route. Was in that relationship for the better part of two decades and then um, decided that, you know, It was not the most healthy environment for me. It wasn't drawing out the best of me. And I had, I have two young sons who just this year, this spring turned 13 and 15. So I knew that 
I needed to serve them. You know, I needed to show up the best version of me. And that's a, it's a, not a catch-22, but it's a, a thing that men need to really understand is that you need to fill your cup up first. And the, the hard choices of putting yourself first and it not feeling selfish, um, you, you're going to have to go on, the, on, on the, the word of so many other men who have done it in terms of being able to say, love you, babe, but you know, this is not working anymore, and I need to, I need to pursue me. And you know, either call it quits, which I did, or say, honor yourself and cultivate one's own um, self-expression and authentic being, um, and then figure out what you want to do with the relationship. But definitely, you know, it was a process of rem remembering again remembering. Um, that I can't serve in my best way if I'm in a toxic environment. So. I had to extricate myself from that. So now, <clears throat> like, uh, I think we're two and a quarter years down the road, two and a half years down the road after that um, dissolving of that relationship and that marriage. Um, I knew that I, at the time, my corporate gig was, was building community for our customer base for the company I was working at. And we had a remote team, and I was sitting at my desk by myself building community. I'm like, how the hell am I gonna build community by myself? I gotta be in community to cultivate community. And I had been, you know, <clears throat> taking a much closer look at health and wellness, you know, mind, body, soul, you know, health and wellness in, in all of those aspects. And I had listened to Aubrey's podcast for a while. And that introduced me to Kyle's and Godsey's. And then in the end of 2019, um, I decided, I heard about Fit for Service, which was a community of like-minded people who wanted to grow together and really dive into the healing work, being the best, best expression of themselves um, in mind, body, soul, human optimization in terms of your expression here on this planet. And um, that involves a whole plethora of experiences and and uh, um, conversations. So spent two years with the Fit for Service uh, community. Um, and the whole impetus is to grow your capacity to be that best version of yourself, to be you know, an optimal expression um, of uh, what you're called to do. Um, as well as you know, on the health level, like epigenetics and expression of genetics and being conscious about the things that we put in our bodies and not just be sort of automatically feeding ourselves, and, uh, which is, you know, so rife with, with junk, you know. Um, and so it's just about cultivating one's awareness and consciousness um, and being committed and holding space for other people to have that same, you know, revelation and a, and a revealing this what the Greeks would call poesis, yeah. which is that revealing of truth in the moment. Yeah. So when I got into into inside the fit for service uh, community, there was obviously um, a, a subgroup of a men's circle, and I was like, "Oh shit! I used to lead men's circles down in the Bay Area. I'll jump into that." And 
you know, whether it was online through Zoom calls or whether we were in person, um, just it's felt very natural and resonant uh, in terms of what uh, we had to share with each other and how I showed up in that uh, in that space was, you know, called forward as valuable. And so when we got to a point of like, I think it was the beginning of last year, um, and we were thinking, Deb um, and I were thinking about combining our households. We just held this this vision for having an extra space to hold gatherings for whether it's just community or men's circles or workouts. And the um, the group down in Austin, the Empowered Men's uh, Collective down there that Stephanos, um, Preston Smiles, um, and so many other folks, because um, there's a real sort of hub of activity going on in Austin, Texas. Um, they were doing workouts together just very casually um, every Wednesday at a place called The Bunker, I think. And it was a barn. And they just had all the gear and a big backyard. And when we stumbled onto this place that we're sitting in right now, it has a barn and you know a relatively decent front size front yard i'm like shit i could replicate that up here in the pacific northwest so <clears throat> that's kind of where um things have led uh in terms of the beginnings of my my contribution to the conversation around men's work and then sort of the the rekindling of that through fit for service and now um hopefully you know this summer it will start to you know take flight here in in the forge as we affectionately <laughs> called this barn so um yeah we're looking forward to that i appreciate you walking walking me through that and and listeners through that I, there's a couple of things that really kind of kind of hit me one was the amount of you talked about and i'm using maybe maybe you use the word armor but i i, I may be kind of putting that on the table but that amount of sort of armor that we have to carry and keep up as men, mm -hmm. um, the expectations on us. But then also you were touching on kind of this, this incredibly persistent whisper is what I would call it. Mm -hmm. That's there, but we're not necessarily taught to listen to it. Um, do you see that changing? I mean, you've obviously been involved in this work for a couple of years now, but you've also been in the corporate world. You've been in, you know, you're raising two boys. Um, are those pressures still there to kind of hold up one side of us and, and not necessarily show the world that there's, there's this other part of us um, that we want to explore creatively or quietly or intuitively? I have to be mindful and, and be um, deliberate in taking myself outside of the bubble, you know, mm -hmm. um, because I could say, yeah, it's great, you know, well, you know, most of my friends are, you know, so well balanced and embodied and I'm like, well, there are eight, you know, what is it, nine billion humans on this planet right now. And the vast majority, yeah, I mean, they are still very fearful of each other. Mm -hmm there's a real hurdle to overcome in terms of having sort of a, a genuine sense of connection to a point where you feel called forward to be creative, co-create and be creative and collaborate from a genuine loving place. 
So I think, yeah, to to be representative of that um, is a little scary mm -hmm. because it is not well understood. Um, and that there's still a lot of ground to be gained um, in normalizing what, when you're actually practicing it, feels really natural. And right. it's like, you know, this, oh, this is the way, yeah, it's, this, you'll hear us talk about this concept of remembering. Yes. You know, and, you know, we've lopped off parts of our expression as humans. And so these members are not necessarily arms and legs, but these big chunks of our humanity have been left by the wayside mm -hmm. in the pursuit of what Deb affectionately calls material mountain, you right. know, right. Uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm still, you know, guilty of it in terms of clicking Amazon, you know, clicking like Instagram shopping, like, yeah, I'll take that, I'll take right. that, you know, but at the end of the day, does it, does it really um, fill the hole? Right. You know, my experience talks to really, f it fills the hole when you get a bunch of guys around the fire and you just hold each other's feet to the flames and get really real with what's going on because you, you know, you, you forget, um, that shield of fear and apprehension and, um, concern about what people will think about you, but then to be in that sort of co-create that that container where it's not, um, it's not, uh, how am I going to explain it? It's, it's not a thing to consider. It's not, it's not a, a thing in the space mm -hmm. in terms of, well, if I say this, then someone's gonna be critical or make fun of me or whatever. Like, no, like if that's, if that's how you feel in the moment, like, okay, that's honor that. What's behind that? What's underneath that? Why, why are tears flowing down your face right now? What's, what are your challenges? Where do you feel connected, disconnected, you know, inflow, not inflow? Um, and what do you, and the, the easiest questions are often the toughest in terms yeah. of like, what do you want? And that can lead to a very deep conversation. Um, so yeah, being able to, you know, we've lost the, the, the art of storytelling, mm -hmm. you know, from mouth to ear. Mm -hmm. um, and those um, traditions where we would sit around as humans around the fire and just, you know, be in community. And, and as you as you describe it, it's like it's a resonance. So the concept and you know people can picture sitting around a fire and telling stories. And these are things, as you said, are so natural to us, but we've almost made them so distant because we put a lot of stuff in between us and the fire, mm -hmm. so to speak. And and I'm also curious from the standpoint of the you know the, the you talked about the shield. I talked about the armor. Is it, has it been your experience? Because it has been my experience in some of this work that I've, I would say I've dabbled in. And, and what I mean by that is sort of by the route of uh, Richard Rohr, you know, in, in, that, in that angle. Um, and mainly, mainly during the pandemic is through online kind of men's work, um, you know, book clubs, discussion groups. Mm -hmm. And even in that medium, the simplest question brought many men to tears. Mm -hmm. There was this breaking open that happened and and I'm curious in the work that you've seen that you do is that always the case is it is it always the 
most unexpected, gentle extension of, uh, of curiosity and compassion and genuine that cracks us open. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> The, it's a big question. <laughs> it's a big question. However, it um, it connects back into some moments where, um, and there's a there's a common. There are a couple of common flavors to that cracking open, right? Mm-hmm. In my ex- in my experience, a just giving flat permission, yeah. you know, it starts there. Yeah. <laughs> Because I can't look you in the eye. Yeah, it just. <laughs> Why do I look away in that moment? Yeah, yeah, you you have permission to feel your feels. Right. And all of them, mm-hmm. all right. And when everybody has the same pitch to play on, the same playing field, like okay, we're going to put down our defenses, and we're here for each other, and we're listening for each other, and we're here to support each other. Um, it quickly becomes evident that your pain is my pain and my pain is your pain. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when you can relate from that place, then you can have genuine concern for your fellow man. Mm-hmm. And that at the end of the day, um, there's very little difference between any combination of men yeah. or humans. So one of the stories is that... Um, we carry wounds from childhood into adulthood. And in so many instances, when you literally just say, it wasn't your fault, it wasn't your fault. And you acknowledge that the child is safe and it, that part of the persona, that part of the psyche um, has that, we mentioned the w- earlier on, um, before we started recording this notion of swaddling you know, you swaddle that child and you provide that fatherly love um, that um, you find that, you know, those men just completely relax and when they can relax, they can begin to unpack what was there for them and to process the thing that they didn't process is when the trauma occurred. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's very often I find myself with my arms around men just rocking them and um, and being okay with that, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a place for that. And it's also very kinetic. I mean, there's there's an element I think of. You know, when you when you say that release or that put down of something or unclenching is what I would say, <clears throat> as my voice goes, because that's uh-huh. also an indicator of uh-huh. when we're touching on a, a raw point, but. We've, we've known for so long what it's like to clench and to grasp. And, it, and at the same time, we want nothing more than just to grasp another human being uh-huh. and be held or yeah. hold um, in, in full, like exposed, vulnerable state. But it's so foreign to us. Um, but there are places in the world and there are, there are people in the world that it's not. And I think we're learning from even, you know, things in the past. We learn from <clears throat> wisdom of the elders, as you described. Uh-huh. So I'm curious from the standpoint of 
the work that you've done, as you mentioned, it's been, it's been very healing. It's been very kinetic. It's been very heart, sorry, heart centered. How do people come at it? How do people return back into the flow of what we were talking about before, which is I imagine you have these incredibly powerful weekends or weeks and, you know, w one raindrop can make cotton candy melt, right? Uh -huh. And that's what we all are. Mm -hmm. And then how do you sort of put yourself back in the car or on a plane and then pop back into Monday, right? I don't, I, have, have, is there integration work that goes along with this afterwards? How do people stay in tune and not fall back to that? Yeah. Before we get to that point, the, yeah. when, you, when you were talking about how kinetic the work is, um, the other pathway, there's a softness to like, hey, it's okay, you know. Yeah, me too. Um, it's not your fault. And then there's some instances where there's so much anger, trying to be soft with that doesn't serve the man doesn't serve gonna, the human. You're not gonna access. And so underneath the rage and underneath the kinetic expression of the trauma in the moment where they had to be quiet and they had to absorb it and suck it up. You hear that phrase a lot, suck it up, man. Yeah. Be a man, yeah. suck it up, don't cry. And so when you stuff that down and then you get to be 40 years old, 50 years old and you haven't addressed it, the amount of rage that's in the nervous system that hasn't been has been unexpressed and comes out in very wonky ways, mm -hmm. you know, very convoluted ways and destructive and toxic ways. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have the stats off the top of my head in terms of domestic violence, but it is, I have enough firsthand accounts of the women in our community who at the hands of men have suffered sexual assault, physical assault, mental assault, it's just unacceptable. And so it's being a stand for that, like, hey, we as men process that shit together. We don't inflict it on the weak people we love around us. So that's also very much part of the dialogue is like okay, opening up that can of worms and having the courage to actually look inside and unpack that is, you know, a significant part. So having gone through one of those, you know, if, if you're with 50 guys and at least two-thirds of them have that shit going on, that weekend is very kinetic. It's very, yeah. it's very vocal. It's very um, uh, draining physically, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally. And so, yeah, showing up on Monday for your, for your J-O-B um, is, you know, integration is a key component to, like, really... Like, what is the one or two nuggets that you wanted to practice in your life outside of that context? Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you have a commitment toward? Is it that you are committed to having a practice with your significant other to really share from the heart where you're at, whether it's about them or about yourself, that lets them inside your world, you know, and being curious about their world too. Is it a place of having a sense of courage to have the conversations with your co-workers about hey I just went through this weekend and what I'm really aware of now is how I might have shown up mm -hmm. and having the gumption to say I'm sorry or I'll do better or would you help me or um, 
I really would love, I, I experienced some very authentic and genuine conversations and this is the characteristic of them. Do you think that we could have that com connection? Yeah. But you have to have the courage to step over that threshold yeah. and, to, uh, and to ask and make the request mm -hmm. or be a stand for it. So it's like a, a bell getting rung over the weekend. Yeah. The sound of that bell dissipates over time. Mm -hmm. So you need those few practices <clears throat> that help keep ringing that bell on a regular basis, and then it becomes more ingrained in who you are, how you be in the world. So that's... And, and I imagine when you go through this, it's, it's probably like seeing the world a little bit differently. I, I, w I would say like there's more clarity, but you probably also look at people differently. You may, you may see fellow men a little bit differently. You may relate. Do, do you get the sense that this is still very much kind of a word of mouth? invitation piece is it are we getting to a place where people are learning more about this work and opting in i haven't necessarily been able to discern that and i'd be curious your perspective again stepping outside the bubble i think there's a lot of work to be done on that front um i mentioned that it, it's often misunderstood in terms of what it actually is. Right, people might still be asking, what is it? What is men's work, right? Well, there's, there's that, or they, what is, what is fit for service? Like, okay, fit for service basically teaches you how to get in touch with yourself mm -hmm. so you can make, you know, informed, aware choices about how you want to be in the world from a place of constructive contribution and love. Okay, and that sounds very sort of cultivating your independence, your sense of you know discernment and um you know bringing goodness into the world the easy the easy out is just to say oh it's a cult right. and because in my opinion that bypasses the need for you to do your own healing right. so if you find yourself looking at it through that lens you might want to ask i invite you to ask yourself why am i looking at through that lens. <laughs> he who doth protest yeah. the loudest, right? Yeah, so <laughs> it's, um, everybody gets to that point when they're ready in terms of wanting to really reveal themselves. Um, and it does take a lot of courage. It does take um, some fortitude and some really, you know, honest looks at, at yourself. And I think, you know, by and large, the world is still, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's basically, you, know, you look at the star power of Hollywood, you know, we're kind of worshiping the wrong heroes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, they're entertainment. And, you know, how can we honor the teachers that teach our kids? You know, how do we honor the mentors that take time out of their own day to make a contribution to others. Um, how do we, you know, I have numerous folks who are in the military mm -hmm. and, you know, I know that you were mm -hmm. in the military too. So it's like, it's like, how do we honor their contribution to the world we live in, in terms of the freedoms that we enjoy and the privileges that we, you know, take advantage of. So it's, um, Coming back to the question, I mean, it's there's a lot of work to be done. I think it's not mainstream yet. Mm -hmm. um, 
but the you know the drum beat's getting louder, mm-hmm. um, and that was in large part um, the impetus for fit for service. You know, th- that was the mechanism that you know Aubrey's talks about him being a bridge between you know um, a deeper awareness of what we're here to do and purpose, and encourages people to take a look at what's going on inside them, and then expects them to go create it and take it back into their world and have their way, their, this new way of being, this resonance, this vibration inside of them, sound the clarion call back in their hometown, back in their family, back in their um, group of friends, mm-hmm. and cultivate it there. So it's, so, you know, my, my expectation or my intention is that every once in a while, like dip back into fit for service. Mm-hmm. But there's so much to be done and the network is growing in terms of, I mean, there are half a dozen p- people in the Pacific Northwest that we've all connected to fit through fit for service. And, um, you know, we all have plans to get together and do good stuff. So, and it is beginning to take on its own, you know, tune in different uh, parts of the country. So, and there are some international folks uh, part of the community too. So that resonates in Europe and Mexico mm-hmm. and South America, et cetera. Well, when it's, I mean, when you're, when you're striking a chord on the things that are universal to the human experience, you don't need a translator, yeah. right? It, it cuts across borders, it cuts across languages, because it's, it's speaking to the heart, yeah. I imagine, it's very similar. Yeah, and one of the common threads in terms of what um, uh, folks are parsing through their experience is, is a return to, um, you know, how we are part of nature and how we are um, so very distant from really tuning in. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some pretty amazing stories of folks having, um, you know, on these soul wanders that we do uh, from time to time as part of the practice. People have amazing interactions with nature mm-hmm. and they get all sorts of, you know, lessons and insights or quote-unquote downloads right. um, from how nature shows up and what, chord it strikes in them so I think uh, you know we're very tech focused you know you and I both work in the tech space but it's nice to have that balance between um, an outlet to tune back into the bigger the like the cosmic Mm -hmm. you know context Um, and it's interesting process to sort of oscillate not out of indecisiveness, but dip into this part of one's experience so you can bring it back into, you know, the everyday world and have that, um, have that knowledge and wisdom to share. It's, it's truly discernment in action mm-hmm. with the kind of, like you said, the, the yin and the yang, right? We, 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 we're experiencing different kind of energy with the tech. Yep involvement which is needed to reach and to scale and to do things but at the same time it's never going to replace or substitute what you're talking about in terms of the sort of you know rib cage to rib cage kind of thing mm-hmm. the the holding someone while they're rocking through rage or screaming through rage mm-hmm. um, to get to that place that they've never been before mm-hmm. to sort of break out of that cage um, not necessarily the best pivot but speaking on a global stage <laughs> about a, cage, uh, a caged man. You and I were 
both kind of sharing, and I think I saw on Instagram a lot of uh, posts around what's happening in Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've thought about this, but I'm curious your thoughts about the little man at the end of the 30-foot table <laughs> that started this war. Um, I can't help but think about like, what is the pain mm-hmm. that someone like Vladimir Putin is holding and has never accessed. And I'm just, I'm curious, I, I've thought about this. Do you sometimes think about what's being played out in the world and you say to yourself, I wish I could just get a weekend with some of these men that are leaders, that are politicians, that are um, tech founders, what, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, is that something you think, you think about? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are a couple of, I'm a photographer outside of, you know, I love photography outside of, you know, work, work and other things. Um, So imagery really uh, hits home. And, you know, when folks were fleeing Syria and there was a, a young father with the dead body of his child clambering up the beach, um, that really hit home. There were some images coming out of the Ukraine. And just the fact that, you know, if you go back in my lineage, mm-hmm. 450 kilometers west of Kiev is a town called um, Ratyvilev, mm-hmm. which is where my great-grandparents and his family, mm-hmm. Simon and, and Rebecca or Shear and Rivka, uh, emigrated from there to London uh, back in early 20th century and back then there was ethnic cleansing going on and the rest of the family got wiped out Um, so for it to be repeating so close to home so to speak uh, and I don't know if if you or your listeners sort of grok you know or believe or have some credibility in believing that you know one's genetic material gets activated when stuff like this happens it's been you know very much on my heart on my mind and yeah it's like i do get curious and then um wonder you know what were the couple of seminal points in his life that crafted his point of view mm-hmm. um and now could be Again, I'm talking about the the archetypes, right? Yeah, right. Um, do we feel like he is a fully integrated, comprehensive expression, a healthy expression of the king, warrior, magician, lover? Uh, I don't think so. No. Um, f- yeah. And I don't think we would need to dig very deep in terms of understanding sort of uh, the matrix that makes up his psyche uh, as being pretty wounded. Um, and, you know, again, having leaders, I, I, you have to go back into more tribal leadership and tribal tradition to understand if you wanted to be chief in the village, you had to have the balls to sit down and listen to every single complaint about how you showed up in the, in in your life, mm-hmm. like who have you, you know, wronged? Who have you harmed? Who have you not done right by? 
and then do your best to, you know, be a better version of yourself and really take that on board and take it to heart, you know. And if people were really um, tuned into that being the currency by which they make decisions and not special interest groups, then, you know, we would probably have a pretty sizable improvement in decisions being made, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's, and it's a, I'll speak from like, from my personal feeling when I th contemplate like the, if I, if I were to contemplate the possibility of, okay, I'm speaking all this, like, then go do it, you know, and be a representative for your community and go and take the political route and um, show up that way. It's just, I don't know, it just feels like very, I feel very resistant to even putting my toe into that, into that. It feels and constricting. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, feels like a very, very, very steep and slippery slope to making compromises mm -hmm. and, um, I think m many folks within my circle of friends would say, you know, make decisions with your dollar, make decisions with your how you embody your decision making, um, be conscious about how you show up, mm -hmm. um, really live, you know, walk the talk, um, and be that be a lighthouse of how to show up in community and to show up in this more um, aware as what people would call woke, you know, right. uh, st state of mind. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, the basis and the impetus of, you know, crafting a space like this, which is, you know, once the weather turns and I'll be able to get workouts in here and get the guys together and the fire pit going and, you know, we'll be doing some stuff uh, from that perspective uh, on the property here. So it's, um, it's, uh, right on the horizon, which is pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah, there's one um, video I saw today, and you may have seen it as well. It was one of the Russian soldiers who had been captured on the Ukrainian side, and there was a woman who was holding up a phone for him and calling his mother. And you, you see him full, you know, fatigues. They're feeding him, they're feeding, they're giving him tea. And the minute that the connection goes through to his mom, he sees her, she sees him, he just breaks down. Uh -huh. And I thought it was just such an interesting visual expression of that, what we talked about before, which is when you say to someone, it's not your fault. And there are so many people that are being played out in this way. They didn't ask to go invade. They didn't ask to go be put in danger. They didn't ask to be in that position. And I think that video, if people haven't seen it, it's very powerful mm -hmm. because it, it shows that natural sense of relief and release and humanity. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were people who, for all intents and purposes, probably shouldn't have cared for him, mm -hmm. shouldn't have held him, shouldn't have been rocking him, shouldn't have been feeding him, but they were. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as we see examples of that played out in a very visual way, I think it's going to bring a lot of stuff up in people, and men and women. Uh -huh. And I hope that people kind of lean into that for themselves, for, yeah. for others. Yeah. Those are the moments that, I mean, we need glimmers of hope right now.
Um, and I hope that in those demonstrations, and by that I mean demonstrations of emotion and, and being in tune and letting go, people can see a third way. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't know if you saw that video or... I, I haven't seen that video, but I'm just feeling into it in terms of, um, you know, it, we see it in times of crisis. We see it in times of natural disaster, mm -hmm. right? And we try and provide our fellow man, woman, child, some sense of relief, you know, some sense of like, okay, there's a soft place to land here. You're cared for, you're seen. Um, and that's what's resonating so loud, loudly amongst um, communities like, like Fit for Service and the folks that are doing this kind of work. Um, and um, when you go through an, enough of your own healing path, you get to a point where, you know, you kind of you tune into like, it's, I'd rather be collaborative, creative, cooperative, and co-create something um, that's a contribution rather than um, contaminating um, the space that we have to rely on, you know. Back, I mean, back in my college days, I declared, silly enough, I thought I was going to be an oceanographer going into oh, yeah. university. Jacques Cousteau was my hero. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and be an oceanographer. The science really killed that vibe. <laughs> Not the science itself, but the discipline to be you know, knowledgeable and executing the science. And I'd rather play rugby. So, but I, I was looking at climate change and um, issues of that kind of scale. And the, um, we have to remember that, that that's the, you know, one of the most important photographs of the 20th century was, you know, Earth rise over the moon, where you got that sense of perspective. Like we have this one little, thing in the speck of the you know Milky Way galaxy in the speck of our local family of stars in the speck of you know the universe so it's when you think about that and you just think about the, the triviality of what you know of war like okay why don't you rather like figure shit out and rather than power grab and you know, be judgmental and make decisions based on, you know, principle and tradition. And yeah, they have their, their place in the right context. But is that really the place? Is international policy really the place that, like, I don't know. It's just, I wish, you know, we keep the perspective of, okay, we're making a global decision. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting. The, the last thing I'll share, and then I have one more question for you about words, because um, I know we're both... Uh, connoisseurs of, of lexicon and word uh -huh. origin. But one more comment I'll make. Um, you know, I had the opportunity at one point to meet Commander Scott Kelly, who was the astronaut mm -hmm. who spent over a year in space. And I have his book called You Are Here. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, all of his work, the documentaries, his book, like, you know, people who haven't read it or seen it, it's really worth watching. But one of the things that really stuck with me was that and I think he posited that if we could take the amount of money that we put in to um, the war machine, 
how much we spend on you know, weapons and defense and all that, and actually allocate that to sending politicians, leaders, dictators, founders, whoever, into space just to get that glance, as you just said, uh -huh. the blue marble, to see it from that angle. They would really have a hard time seeing borders, seeing differences, because it's sort of this, this kiss of humanity that happens when you're in space staring yeah. back down at it. And I thought that was a really good point he made. Yeah. Um, we spent so much billions and billions of dollars on um, harming people or in, in, in the name of defense, but if we could just take those that are making decisions and have the fate of others in their hands and show them the, the triviality mm -hmm. and how fragile we all are in this big blue marble floating through space, yeah. I think they would make different decisions. Um, and I also think that's why in some of the work that you talked about before, breath work, meditation, you know, some of the plant ceremony stuff as well, there's a touch of the cosmos. You go from here to there and back. I think there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate you letting me share that comment. Last question. Before you, let me inter yeah, interject please. here, which yeah. is that concept of, I don't know if you watched the, the little 20 minute short documentary that Amazon put out um, where Jeff Bezos took oh, yeah. William Shatner out mm -hmm. in on his, you know, um, I think it's Blue Horizon or Blue Origin. Yes, Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Um, and just the, for Captain Kirk to finally get, you know, off the set and actually into space, oh, it was just such a sweet moment because I grew up with Star Trek as a kid. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that that reaction would be a consistent baseline experience for anybody who's in that has the privilege to be in that same seat. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I mean maybe this topic next topic is a bit of a you know a uh, departure here, but maybe on a future mm. um, episode that I mean there are things like. There are sacraments that one can take in terms of really giving, when you dive into plant medicine, when you dive into holotropic breath work in a deep way, when you dive into um, you know, five, the, the ineffable experience of 5-MeO-DMT experiences, you know, there is a reset. Yeah. You know, there's a mental and emotional reset that happens with those rites of passage. And I think rites of passage is another key ingredient that's completely missing for a lot of culture out there. Yeah. And when men are left to their own devices, they get into really unhealthy expression of rites of passage. And uh, so more could be done around sort of healthy exploration of transitioning from boyhood to manhood mm -hmm. and other threshold moments right. in one's life. So, you know, I'm guilty of it. I was, you know, caught up in the wedding business in terms of a wedding photographer and, you know, the machine, the wedding, you know, production machine. Marketing machine. Yeah, yeah it's just, there could be more done to be intentional, conscious, aware. Um, and again, you know, going through these experiences sort of opens you up to like, okay, what is, what is authentic connection? Mm -hmm what is, you know, a real union of souls, like a sacred union. Right. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, that's another whole. Uh, yeah, no, that, I, would, I would love to have that as a future, yeah. a future uh, excavation, let's say. Yeah, sure. um, two words, talisman and touchstone. Ah, well, that's interesting. Well, I mentioned her name before, uh, Deb, and she and I have been in a relationship for a year and a half or so. Um, maybe even two, two years now? No, year and a half, I think. Um, and she had so much knowledge about, you know, stones and crystals and whatnot, and she was like, oh, I figure I want to make some bracelets and... Um, I'm like, I'm a creative individual. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll help out. I'll put it together with you. And so some of the things I was putting together really resonated with me. And I looked more into the meanings and the, the properties of stones and crystals and then in combination with each other, what could they mean? And, you know, why are things that we can touch and take into experiences um, important in terms of being able to remember the moment something happened or an event or um, a particular milestone uh, or experience uh, occurred. So a talisman is one of the things that we create, which is, you know, these higher end bracelets, necklaces, intentional jewelry. Um, I highly recommend folks have something in their possession. A talisman could be a family heirloom too, mm -hmm. you know. I'm well known across my family as sort of the archivist. Um, and you saw it in our living room, there's a whole tower of, you know, various different family items that have um, come my way over the years. And each of them, you know, I touch them, I think about my grandfather on one thing or my grandmother on another thing or my mom on another thing. And um, to have that sort of visual representation is a bridge back into what occurred for you like what you got out of it at that moment. Um, and then the more times you take that item into significant moments for yourself in your life, the more powerful that it creates a vibration inside of you. Mm -hmm. And it remembers like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm up to. So, um, yeah, and the talisman eventually becomes a touchstone. Mm -hmm. So it's that thing that you hold um, and gets you through something. So. Um, if there's a challenge up and you had a very positive experience with something, you hold on to that and you try to remember that mm -hmm. sort of lived experience. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you kind of sharing that because when I was looking up the, the words talisman um, and even the origin of it, right? It, come, it comes from the Greek, I think, telos or telios. And then if you go back to even further kind of what it is, there was an aspect of, um, you know, this, this, container that bears something that that you know that that bears more knowledge um uh -huh. and as you were describing it it's it's almost like the unlocking it's like a key that unlocks something uh -huh. um and you know full circle it makes me think very much of it's resonant with the work that you're doing right there's yes there's physical pieces there's kinetic pieces there's olfactory pieces right but all of those are about the unlocking of what what's inside of, of each of us. Mm -hmm. um, that has to take place in order for us to access and to remember. And so I, I, I think it's a beautiful physical manifestation of the, some of the work that we've talked about that you do that is almost untouchable. Mm -hmm. 
um, most of what you probably experience, it's hard to put into words. Yeah, you kind of have to just, when someone says, trust the process, you kind of get a gain an understanding for that once you, because in the moment, an activity or, um, you know, a request that's made of you in the moment of going through one of these experiences could feel like really, like really odd, mm -hmm. um, very strange, kind of very awkward. Um, and it's not only, it's not until everything is sort of wrapped up and done that you can be able to see the bigger picture of like, oh, that's why, that's why we went and did that. Um, so glad I didn't resist, you know, your, your, initial urge or inclination to be judgmental of that and recoil from it and shield up and protective. Um, so yeah, it's very much, um, again, it's about having a, my own practice of having a healthy, um, mature, positive, um, not toxic expression of King in terms of being able to craft a container which feels loving and embracing, um, to have someone's nervous system settle down and have them open up yeah. and to sit with them and just be w with them wherever they're at. Yeah. It's a relinquishing of one's own agenda, knowing what you know is inside of you already is gonna come through you in service of another person and uh, help them unlock what they need to know. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's I, unique I, to I, them, right? It's I, their yeah. key. And I have, I have to trust myself that I can listen appropriately for what I, which will then trigger something in my psyche or come through me to share with them mm -hmm. at that moment in time, which they need to hear. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'll show you to, when we go back up to the house, I'll show you, you know, for the client that's coming in this weekend. Deb and I sat with, you know, my understanding of what he's going through and crafted very specific mala for him in terms of what he um, can take away from the weekend. And that's what I do for all the, when I lead a men's weekend, especially the smaller ones. Um, and there are, there are folks within Fit for Service and other, and other crews that, you know, constantly wear the bracelet that I, that I crafted for them for that weekend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had a bunch of guys, and I, I love motorcycling as well, so we took off on a little motorcycle trip to Leavenworth, and that was, again, a talisman, like a, a memory of us, you know, as a, as a crew on our motorcycles doing a fun thing for a weekend. So it's imparting that energy into the object, which they can take with them into the future. I have this image of you creating these ley lines all across the world oh, with yeah. these talismen. <laughs> um, yeah. And no matter where each of those men or women are, in some ways, it's you can sort of feel them from, from mm -hmm. afar, mm -hmm. which just sounds amazing, honestly. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for hosting, first of all, me in, in this oh, space. Um, I'm excited to come back. I, I, my nervous system thanks you. <laughs> I think you can yeah. probably tell from yeah, like... you seem very relaxed. It's very... You know, you described it. It's a little bit like the rocket going into into space, right? You got to go. You got to burn through the atmosphere. It's going to be turbulent. Shields up, right? Grip, and then you get up to that point, and you're like, oh. mm -hmm. taking the view. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Thank you. I appreciate that you know, very much. So. Actually, that analogy resonates with me quite a bit because most weekends are like that. You yeah, know? I bet, right? When we get the crew together and, and want to dive into to some of the deeper work, you know, by the end of the week weekends, everything's cool. Everything's like very connected, mm -hmm. smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. um, you almost get into this flow, this yeah. flow state, where when you're in service of other people around you and they're in service of you like things just the synchronicities start to multiply and you know what what would be the potential if m more people were in that mode of being than not yeah. y you know it would be very uh, very odd space that we you know very different than what we live in t these days um, but a, no doubt very enjoyable yeah, no, I totally agree. Manifesting a completely different world, just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again, Stephen. I really appreciate um, you being on, and I can't wait for people to listen. And yeah. frankly, you know, want to find out more. If they did want to find out more, um, what's the best way for them to learn about the work you're doing or the talisman? The easiest way is through IG, mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to pull up my IG account to sorry sure. remember. I think it's at um, Stephen Fielding. Yeah, at, it's at Stephen.Fielding. Okay. Uh, pretty straightforward. And yeah. then our business is Stone Witch Talisman. And so that is also an IG. Okay. Um, and StoneWitchTalisman.com. Yeah, we're just going through a revamp of the site. So that is uh, going to be exciting to see yeah. out there. So yeah, Stonewitch Talisman underscore for okay. IG. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah.